Mark chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. Again he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Charles Spurgeon, the famous London preacher from the 19th century. Uh, it's said that every time he went, every time he climbed up into the pulpit to preach, each step up the pulpit, he, he would whisper to himself, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's right for, for a preacher. That, that, is a, that is a good reminder for us in our preaching because Ephesians 2 is true. The beginning of Ephesians 2, Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You're dead. You're spiritually speaking. Apart from Christ, we are dead men and women and children. One, one pastor said that every time we evangelize, we are evangelizing cemeteries. Every time you share the gospel, you are speaking to bones. And so when Spurgeon preached, he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Because conversion is a miracle. 
For you to hear the word of God and for the word of God to take root in your heart and bear fruit and change you is a miracle. Paul says you're dead in our trespasses and sins. Just goes on to talk about that bad news of of our spiritual deadness, our spiritual inability to do anything. And then he says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive in Christ. And so when we open the word, whether it's opening the word to speak to someone else or opening the word to speak to ourselves, we ought to be saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We ought to be asking God, do a miracle Do something in my dry, dead heart. Make me alive. Give me ears to hear. So this morning, as we look at at Mark chapter four, I want you to see how Jesus evangelizes a cemetery. I want you to see how Jesus speaks the word to dead people. Chapter four is an account of Jesus' teaching. We see that in the first couple verses. He's teaching beside the sea. A, A large crowd gathers around him, and so he gets into a boat, and he sits. That's what preachers would do in that day. They were lucky. Preacher would sit and preach. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's sitting, and he's teaching. In verse two, he's teaching them many things in parables. And so this is an account of Jesus' teaching and the way he talks about his teaching and our reception of his teaching in, in this passage in verses one through 20, it's a window into what Jesus is doing. It's a window into how he makes us alive to his promises and equips us to partner with him in his transforming work in our lives. Jesus shows us, this is how I make you alive, and this is how I invite you in to the work that I'm doing in your heart to change you. So that's what, that's what we see here. So first, three, three things. Number one, the parable. Number two, the warning. And number three, the call. So the parable, the warning, and the call. So the parable. The parable is simple. This is one of Jesus' most famous parables. In the parable, you have... A parable is a story that has a parallel to real life, a parallel application, okay? So every, every parable has a couple main elements that we are meant to apply to our own lives. And this parable has a few of those. In the parable, you have one sower, one farmer scattering seed, and the sower is Christ. And later, it's those preaching Christ, And there is one sower, and there is one seed. And the seed is the gospel of the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom of Jesus. And and we see that in in Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. That's that's a prominent passage in Mark. It, It helps us understand everything that Jesus is doing. And the the gospel of the kingdom of God is good news, bad news, and beautiful news. Good news, bad news, and beautiful news. The good news, Mark 1, 14, 
After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the good news, the king is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Good news, here comes the king. Yes, here he is. Here's the king that's been promised for centuries. The king we've been waiting for. He's here. Hallelujah. Good news. The bad news, you're not ready for him. You are not in shape to receive the king. You have not prepared yourself. You have not lived rightly. You you have not done what you ought to do. And so in your sin, you are not ready for the king. That's why he says repent. Good news, the king is coming. Bad news, you're a bad person. I'm a bad person. I'm a sinner. I've disobeyed. I've rebelled against the king. I've committed treason. Good news, bad news, beautiful news. You can repent and believe. There's an offer of forgiveness for you. Repent and believe. If you repent, if you turn away from your sin, if you agree with God that you have sinned, that you have not obeyed the king, that you have not prepared your heart for the king, if you agree, and if you believe that he died to save sinners, he will receive you. The king has come, Mark Mark, uh, 10, the king has come to seek and to save the lost. A couple weeks ago, the king has come as a physician to heal the sick, to whoever comes to him. That's beautiful news. Good news, the king is coming. Bad news, you're not ready for him. Beautiful news, he's ready for you. He's ready to change you. He's ready to transform you. He's ready to forgive you and to make you new. So that's the seed. Jesus comes as the sower, sowing the seed, sowing the message that I'm the king, I'm here, you've sinned, but I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to make you new. One sower, one seed, four soils. Four soils. And that, the four soils represent four types of hearts and their varying receptivity to the message of the gospel. And I'm jumping around here in the text. So in uh, Mark 4, verses 3 through 9 is when he tells the parable, but doesn't explain it. And then verses 13 through 20 is when he explains the parable. And so Jesus himself is is giving us the keys to this parable. Jesus says, I'm the sower. Jesus says, I'm the seed. And then he says, here are the four soils. The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path. So the soil number one is the path. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes the word that is sown in them. So, so soil number one is a hard beaten path, hard soil. Soil number two Verse 16, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises, immediately they fall away. Soil number two is the rocky soil. Soil number three, verse 18, others are sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, 
But the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Soil number three is the thorny soil. And then soil number four is the good soil. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. So one sower, one seed, four soils, two outcomes. Among those four soils, there are two outcomes. The first three soils bear no fruit. The seed that is sown on the, rock, on the hard path doesn't even sprout. The seed that is sown in the rocky soil, it sprouts, but it quickly scorches. It quickly dies because it has no root. The, the third soil, the, the thorny soil, the seed sprouts, it grows, but it never bears fruit because it gets no nutrients. And then the fourth soil is where the seed is sprinkled, it sprouts, it takes root, it bears fruit. So two outcomes, no fruit for soils one through three, good fruit for soil four. That's the parable. And now the warning. Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. There's a few things here that he says in the parable and in its explanation that we have to hear. Jesus says in verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So this is the first parable. This is parable number one in Jesus's ministry. And it's parable number one because Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, every parable that comes after this is worthless to you. This parable is the key to all the rest of my parables because this parable is about careful listening and appropriate response. If you don't listen to and respond to Jesus' teaching, none of it will be any benefit to you. Parable number one tells us, if you don't listen to Jesus' teaching and do something, react to it, then Jesus' teaching is worthless. So if you don't respond to parable number one, then he can tell you a thousand more parables and it will do you no good because you are bad soil. You are soil that is not receptive to the word. And so it doesn't matter how much seed he scatters, you will not hear it. If you're not good soil, Jesus' words won't take root and bear fruit. That's the warning of this, of this parable. And he, he says that in a few different ways. He, he points in that direction. So verse two, it says, he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, verse three, listen, listen. I'm teaching, are you hearing? Listen to me. Verse, verse nine, he tells the, so he starts the parable, verse three, listen. And then he ends the parable, verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, did you hear me? I see all of the ears out there. Are they open? 
Do you hear my words? And then verse 10, he's teaching, and the teaching ends. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. So it says he's alone, but he's not alone. He's with the people that want to be with him. The teaching ends, some leave, but others stay. And the ones who stay, what do they do? Jesus, tell us more. Jesus, explain yourself. Jesus, help us understand. So they ask him about the parables and he says to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Verse 33 and 34, later on in Mark 4, it says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Privately to his own disciples, he explains everything. Jesus will help you understand his word if you want him to. Jesus will explain himself to anyone who will listen. And so he tells these people, sitting at his feet, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. I'm the secret of the kingdom of God. I explain the kingdom of God. I make the kingdom of God known to you. All you have to do is ask me. But to those outside, everything's in parables. To the ones inside, sitting at Jesus' feet, the secret has been given. But to those outside, not asking, not coming, not wondering, not wanting to know more, all they hear is a nice story. All they hear is a parable. They see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. They are like the people of Isaiah 6. So Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 in verse 12. To those outside, everything is, par- is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. In Isaiah's day, Israel's heart was hard. Israel did not listen to God's word. Israel rejected God again and again. Isaiah's ministry was a a ministry of preaching to people who had no interest. They heard his words, but they were not listening. They did not do anything with Isaiah's preaching. They dropped it. Verse 24 Jesus teaches them another parable, we'll cover this next week, but verse 24, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. That, now let's step back, that's, that's a strange thing to say. 
if, if you think about it. Jesus has just given this, this uh, analogy of these soils, telling, telling his hearers, you are one of these four soils. You're either hard soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, or good soil. And then he tells them, pay attention to what you hear. Basically, he's telling them, you are one of these four soils. Be the fourth soil. Be the good soil. How can, you can't do that. You can't tell dirt to be a certain kind of dirt. It is what it is. Dirt doesn't listen. Dirt doesn't change itself. It's passive. It's fatalistic. So on, on the one hand, we, we are who we are. What, what are we supposed to do about it? If I'm dead, don't tell me to be alive. I can't, I can't do that. If I'm deaf, don't tell me to hear. I can't. We, we are who we are. What are we supposed to do? That's because this is an effectual call. That's because this is God speaking. That's because this is the word of God speaking to dead bones and making them alive. This is what, uh, what Anna read a few minutes ago. My word will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I purpose. It will do what I want it to. It makes sense when you think about who Jesus is. 2 Corinthians, this, this verse has been popping up a lot recently. Second, Second Corinthians, the, the God who has shown, verse six, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, and it happened, I can't do that, you can't do that. The God who created light out of nothing looks at you and says, be alive, and you listen. Says to Lazarus, dead, stinking, rotten Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus obeys. Lazarus is restored to life and walks out of the grave. I can't tell a deaf man to listen to me. I can't tell bad soil to be good soil. But Jesus can. And so Jesus can look at us and say, there are four types of soil. Three of them bear no fruit. The fourth bears good fruit. Be the good soil. And he can make you into the good soil. So the parable, the warning, the warning is listen. If you do not listen, none of Jesus' teaching will benefit you. That's the warning. And so then the call, the call is to cultivate the soil of your hearts. 
Join in with God in the work of becoming good soil. Cultivate the soil of your hearts. If our hearts are soil, then we must take care to work with Christ to cultivate our hearts so that they are receptive to his word. Which, which is why Jesus says in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. Listen well. We need to steward our soil with Jesus. And so the call here from Jesus is the call that Paul makes to Christians in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Jesus, Paul says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's a command. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And on the one hand, we read that and we say, I'm dead. Don't tell me to work. How, how can a dead person work? Well, but then Jesus makes us alive. Saves us by grace. In, in Ephesians 2, Paul says, you're dead in your sins, God made you alive in Christ, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. So I was dead. I did not make myself alive. Jesus made me alive. I'm saved by grace, by, not, by grace through faith, not by what I did. And now here Paul seems like he's speaking out the other side of his mouth, saying, work out your salvation, all right, Paul, so first of all, I can't save myself, and you, you yourself said I can't save myself, and now you're telling me to work out my salvation? What gives? And Paul keeps going. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So work out your salvation because God is working, out, working it out in you. If you even desire to work out your salvation, it is a sign of grace in your life. You're spiritually dead, God makes you alive, and you start breathing. The impulse to breathe does not make you alive. The impulse to breathe demonstrates that you are alive. So, Work out your salvation. Join in with God on this transforming work because God's the one doing it. God is the one behind that impulse. God is the one in control of it. God is the one giving the grace for you to change, giving the grace for you to be alive, giving the grace for you to have faith. And so we join with God in his work. God is sovereign at the very bottom. God is the one who's sovereign. God's the one who's in control. God's the one who initiates. God's the one who sustains. And we're responsible. And that is not a paradox in the Bible. Those things go together. Jump in, work hard because God's working in you, because God's empowering you to do it. And so we ought to cultivate the soil of our hearts knowing that it's God who's helping us to cultivate the soil of our hearts. 
knowing that God is the one who is making that possible for us. Last week, um, I mentioned my, my grandpa, who is a farmer, and uh, I'm going to mention him again, and he's, he's been on my mind. Some of you saw uh, my grandpa passed away this week. Um, he was 91, um, and praise God for his life. He was just a wonderful, godly man, rejoicing that he's now at home with Christ. So he's, he's been on my mind, so you get to hear more. And my grandpa was a farmer for his entire life. He bought, the, he bought the farm in 1960 and sold it in, I think, 2019. So 59 years on, on one farm. And he was not a passive farmer. He was actively involved in bringing about a successful harvest. He worked hard for his crops to grow, even though it's God who gives the growth. But he, he worked hard, and that's, that's our calling. So, so think about this. You have these three soils, this hard soil, this rocky soil, this thorny soil. What does a farmer do with hard soil? He pulls out the plow. He digs it up. So, so my grandpa would do that. He would, every spring, he would chisel plow, dig up this hard soil to soften it. And, and what, is a, what does a farmer do with rocky soil? Much to his grandson's chagrin, he picks the rocks out of the soil every spring, whether his grandson is interested or not. So my, my dad and grandpa farmed next door to each other, and so every spring, what would we do? Hook up the rock wagon and, and get out into the field. And you grab the rocks and you put them in the wagon. Thousands. I'm not exaggerating, thousands of loads of rocks over the course of 60 years, every spring. And he would, my, my dad and grandpa would talk about how they had a chisel plow that dug deep. And every year I thought, just set it higher. <laughs> just don't do it. Just leave them in there. They've been there for thousands of years. They're doing fine. But no, they would dig deep. They would plow deep. and pull up these rocks and we would go in and we would pull out load after load after load of rocks so that it would be good soil. And every summer, he would spray the weeds. I can remember him pulling into our yard and, and hooking up the, the weed sprayer, filling this big tank to kill the weeds so that they would not choke out the corn or the beans. And then the soil, the soil quality. A good farmer invests in fertilizer, puts fertilizer in the field. If the, if, get into the weeds here. If, if you have bad pH levels in your soil, you, you dump a bunch of lime on the soil. You, you put tiling in the, in the field so that the water drains well. You leave the crop residue for mulch. All of that, what does that do? Over time, it builds up the soil quality. The soil, quali the soil quality on, the f on my grandpa's farm was better when he died than when he bought it. Not by accident, but because of his diligent labor. And so that's us. That's our calling as Christians. 
First, first Corinthians 3, Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. A farmer takes an active role, prepares the field, plants the seeds, picks the rocks, sprays the weed, sprays the weeds, irrigates. But it is God who causes the seed to spring to life, to grow, to bear fruit. And it's the same for us. It's the same. As we hear God's word, we accept it. We listen to it. We pay attention to it. We submit ourselves to it. We make changes to our lives in response to it. And as we do those things, the word takes root, bears fruit. And and God's word, God's word both exposes the hard spots, the thorns, the rocks, and it plows them up, pulls them out, carries them away. So, so I was thinking about this this week. I was just thinking about my own life. My, my own life, just the past three years. So in my life, these past couple years, some hard realities, some, some busy realities, some chaotic realities. My, li- my life, there have been seasons the last three years that have been hard and busy and chaotic. And that has revealed hardness and rockiness and thorniness in my heart. And I say revealed, not created. Nothing that's happened to me the last three years has created those dynamics. It's just exposed them. Something hard happens and it shows what's going on inside. So the hardness, the hardness of my own heart. I don't want to listen to God's call to humility. I don't, I don't want to repent. I don't, I don't want to listen to God when, he's, when in his word he tells me to love others sacrificially. So the hardness of our hearts. Satan loves the hardness of our hearts because he comes and he pulls the, the word out. If you're not going to respond to that word, I'm just going to take it away just to remove it from you. So I've seen that in my own heart, this hardness that, that makes me do this with the word. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. The rockiness in my own heart. I feel discouraged. I, I have felt discouraged at times in the last few years by, by difficulty. Something hard happens and I just, I just lose steam. The call to discipleship, it just feels too steep. Or, or I'm, I get hurt by someone to whom I've tried to faithfully minister. And that tempts me to, dis, to spite and cynicism. Just this, this rockiness in my heart. The, the, the troubles of the world, persecution on account of the word. Being a Christian is hard. And I just, I feel discouraged or, or frustrated by that. Or the thorniness mindless entertainment, worldly comforts, unhealthy desire for more money, all of those things, they threaten to diminish my growth in godliness and my joy in Jesus. The things of this world seem really sweet some days. Way, way easier than following Christ. Way easier than meditating on his word. Way easier than walking in obedience. And so what do I do? What do you do? Do, do I respond with passivity? This is who I am. This is just how I'm wired. 
can't do much about it. No, no, by God's grace, I seek to respond with fear and trembling, to obey. I seek to to hope in Christ, call for his help, take a step of obedience. I I make my circle bigger. I invite others in to tell them, hey, this this is what's happening in my heart. Or people look at me and say, hey, here's what's happening in your heart, Josh. And I ask them to help me fight the fight of faith, to pray for me, to encourage me, to rebuke me. And I confess my failures and keep going. That's the call. when, When you see the bad soil in your heart, you call out to Christ and say, help me, change me, make me different. And so to to conclude, I want you to hear this. The call to be good soil is not the call to be a good person, to try harder, to be better. It is the call to confess your sin, to confess your weakness, to confess your need, and then to receive Christ's grace and transforming work. I read the call to worship this this morning, Isaiah 66. This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Not because you're scared, but because it matters. Because it's weighty to you. Because you're not going to brush it aside. That's the call for us. And so we're going to transition in just a minute to communion. But as we, as we do communion, um, Johnny is going to lead us with a song, and it's a song that he wrote uh, five, six years ago when we were both in Iowa. And, the, and in this song, it's a call, it's a prayer. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. That's, that's our prayer as believers How we respond to God's word means everything. Life and death, heaven and hell, happiness and unending sorrow. And so God, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. As you speak, help us to believe. Let's pray. God, that is our prayer. We need your word. We need you to change us. We need you to make us alive. Breathe life into these dry bones. Transform us by the power of your gospel. Soften us. Change us. Draw us in to love and worship and follow and obey you. We pray all this through Christ who has done it. Amen.